1: All right, welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock here. Paul Savage joining us to start things off today on a Tuesday. Looking forward to getting Paul's take on the Super Bowl for the first time here on the program. We are on the morning after another overtime Sunflower Showdown game. Uh, what else should we expect at this point? I suppose. And Jerome Tang continues to dominate overtimes. We'll get into that. What it means for both programs as we make our way through today, as well. Um, we will get into a just a massive story from Major League Baseball as it pertains to the Kansas City Royals and. Yeah, we've been giving the Royals a little grief over the last 18 months or so, saying if you want a new stadium, you you better open up the pocketbook and show fans that you're committed. The Royals have opened up the pocketbook to show fans that they're committed, giving out the biggest contract they've ever given out uh, by a long shot to Bobby Witt Jr. We'll get into that throughout the program today as well. And maybe if we have time, it could be a story for another day, but... Seeing some chatter about the potential unionization of college athletes. Uh, perfect time to talk about that. We've got Paul Savage in here. Paul,
0: good morning. How are you? I am just fine. It's good to be on with you guys today. Tommy, you'll be joining us in a little while. I look forward to that as well. How are you, Jacob? You doing okay? By the way, I was over at uh, uh, at uh, our 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 favorite tea shop the other day, and I don't, I, I and I just can't tell you how much I enjoyed. The strawberry tea, uh, of uh, uh, you know artificial sweetener, it was delicious. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just gonna say it right up front. Get it out of the way. Now we can go to sports. I feel better though now. Now that I mentioned my tea experience with uh with uh, with your particular tea store.
1: H-T-O, and we'll give away some HTO a little bit later in the show. We'll give away some free tea and Thank you, a by free brew house coffee. It. Thank you. Uh, on the KFH hotline at 869-1240. Jad Chambers manning that hotline for us each and every day here on Sports Daily. Your chance to win will come later in the show. Uh, Paul, did you stay up late with the Sunflower Showdown
0: last night? Oh, my night? gosh. Are you kidding? I got started on that thing, and, and I, I literally couldn't leave it. Uh, I basically watched everything, the whole schmear. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Little factoid that I did not know. Maybe maybe you were aware of this. Jerome Tang, winner of ten overtime contests in a row, ten and zero at K State? I wasn't aware yeah. of that. I, I mean, I they said it, finally they said it, and I thought, how in the world did that stat get by me? And and I didn't know that. But I thought to myself, how the heck does that happen? How do you go You've
1: been an overtime been an overtime expert? Uh My a lot gosh. of things. Out of that game, I th- you know K State had to have it to keep their tournament chances alive. They're going to have to have several more of those if they want to uh, try to get into the NCAA tournament. Right, but I th- I think a lot of things were on display. One, it right. is really difficult to win on the road in the Big Twelve. Period. Full stop. Whatever. Like that's hard to do. I think for Kansas State, you we can just appreciate the fact. That they were able to find that win in the middle of their worst stretch of basketball this season, right? And they're going to need a few more of those. They get BYU twice, which I still think presents a tremendous opportunity. The net rankings have not been updated today, I don't think. So if that happens throughout the show, uh, I will let you know where that moved both programs. Uh, but we're we're waiting to see that. Let me let me just – yeah, it's – so Kansas, it is updated on the official site. So Kansas fell down two spots to number two, and I'm looking at this live. So Kansas State moved up four spots then to number 79. So that's a big win for K-State. It did come at home. They're going to need to get some of those on the road, and we'll see how that works to, to get them back into the NCAA tournament. But for Kansas, you know we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about needing depth, the reasons you need depth, and last night was a perfect example. You know, they got into some foul trouble. Uh, you can – Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams both fouled out of the game. Now, some of those calls might be questionable, but guess what? There's always questionable calls in college basketball, and there are certainly always questionable calls when you go on the road in the Big 12 and in big-time games. And and I, it doesn't matter where it comes from. The reality is they're going to have to have just a little bit of depth for this. I mean, this is the exact scenario that plays itself out. The other part of the game that clearly, to me, played itself out is that KU looked tired because, you know what? you got to follow a Saturday game with a road Monday game, and guess what they get to do again next week? And guess what happens when you get to the NCAA tournament? You play a lot of games in a short period of time. They were gassed last night. I don't think there was any doubt about that. And whether you want to complain about officiating, whatever it is, they found themselves in foul trouble. Mm. These, I mean, it's a right as we get into it, and you feel great about the Houston game, it's like, man, they really need some. This is a perfect example of they have got to find minutes, meaningful minutes off of their bench because these things are going to happen to them. And while I still contend that they've got as good a starting five as any team in the country, K State clearly uh, put the clamps on on you know the young Australian there, Johnny Furphy, and and made his life miserable last night. And then so wh- a, a couple of things, Paul. K State played that perfectly, right? They attacked the bigs. The way to attack K KU is going to be to get the bigs in foul trouble, to get anybody in foul trouble, and usually those are the easiest guys to do it. They did that. Mm-hmm. And they, and they chose, I think, to just go and make Furphy not be able to be the spark plug he's been, and it brought back into focus the things that have limited this KU team all year, and good teams are going to do that. They've got to find a way to work through that. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know if it's on the roster. Uh, we still have a month to go, but it, it was a perfect spotlight on the issues that plagued KU and, you know, take him from being in the conversation as maybe one of the better teams in the country to those preseason expectations, which are the best team in the country. They're just not there right now, and, and last night was a perfect example of why.
0: Well, and your example with fatigue is is perfect, spot on. Listen to the last two fouls that, that Hunter Dickerson got. I think fatigue contributed to both of those fouls those last two because if you if you if you if you were watching the game you noticed you know he was standing up a little straight what happens when one becomes tired becomes fatigued you know need to get get a grasp of air a little bit you know uh you know be able to relax just from you stand up taller you don't you're not in a in more of a defensive stance uh you're playing with your hands leaning instead of straight up and and I think that was part of the problem I think fatigue contributed to the last two particular fouls for Hunter Dickinson. Now, I could be wrong on that, but it's what it looked like to me. But it was obviously KU was a team that was fatigued. They got up and down the court quite a bit, and, and K-State did a good job of attacking them, make them defend, make them move, move the ball around pretty pretty decently. Uh, a lot of good ball movement, a lot of penetration, which makes it very, very difficult uh, to uh, get any kind of wind in the course of a game. Listen, K-State played it perfectly. They fatigued. Now, I'm also saying in a roundabout way that KU is not as deep as as a, should I say a national contender needs to be? I, I don't know if that's the proper way to say that because obviously the University of Kansas is going to be a contender uh, you know, for a Final Four berth. I think they are, although who's to say Houston or Baylor or, or, or Iowa State or the Red Raiders? And I mention those four teams because they all have a better Big 12 record right now than does the University of Kansas. So, with that being said, uh, fatigue is a big thing. And fatigue has to be figured out a little bit. And that means that somebody's got to step up and give some of these guys a chance to be able to recuperate, get ready to play, come back in, you know, have a great last ten minutes of a of a basketball game and be able to play the thing with energy and and not be, you know, tired and gasping for air. But I'll tell you what, K-State played it perfect. They got up and down the court just enough to make KU work. Jacob, I think you're onto something right there. Ku has a problem, and it's not personnel. It has to do with fatigue and finding those guys that can come in and spell, uh, and and spell the 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 starters a little bit more and give them a chance to get a little rest, get some air, and get back and compete at the level that they need to. You're spot on. But but Kansas State, you've got to give them credit. They saw sure. what they needed to do and they did and they did a great job of attacking the basket. And man, that takes it out of a team, doesn't it? That takes it out of a defensive team. When you attack the basket like that, man, that works those guys to death. And so, uh, congratulations to K State. Great game plan. But what do you expect from Coach Tang? I mean, what do you expect? That's exactly what I expect.
1: Yeah, look, they he has been on a kick of, you know, we gotta be basically the authors of our own story, and he's used the example a few times of you know if Bruce Willis died in the first scene of Die Hard the movie wouldn't have been nearly as good so he's you know he's doing everything he can to keep his guys engaged i don't know i mean it's going to take a lot of big wins down the stretch i i you know a- anything can happen in a big 12 tournament but there, the the beauty of the big 12 it's it's like the beauty and the danger of it is that there are never nights off but honestly like when you get to this point in the season and you need more you basically have an opportunity every night to boost your resume. And so that, that could help them if they can get on another little run. They've been a very confusing team from the get go this year, because we didn't have very high expectations for them. Then they lose Naquan Tomlin. Well, then they rally behind it and, and start playing really well and are like sitting at the top of the league. And you're like, okay, maybe we were wrong. Maybe, maybe they're, you know, and we, Jerome Tang looked incredible and all these things. Then they go on the skid and it's like, okay, now they are. Because they didn't, you know, they didn't look in the first half or anything like amazing. They just made things very uncomfortable for KU all the way through. I don't know if they have enough, but I know they have a ton of opportunities coming down the pipeline here to go and, and earn their ticket big time they're not in yet I and I know they're five and five in the league but we we've seen this in the past like their their metric rankings are not good enough last night moved them up four spots that's a heck of a win the, they get BYU and Texas on the road still uh they get Kansas Cincinnati Texas and BYU on the road they've got to get some of those wins and you know the home wins are going to be important too. But you gotta be able to go get some of those on the road and see if you can earn your way back in. But you know if they ugly it up, that that was a that to me and Bill self's sentiment last night, Paul too. That was a that was certainly a home court boosted win and the atmosphere was incredible as we knew it would be. That place was rocking, it was electric, all of that stuff. Can you go get those wins on the road? Because, you know, Bramlage brought it last night. It was it was fantastic. It was. I loved it. But, you, you know, you don't get that all the time. So can you go back on the road? And they've had big road wins, not a lot of them, but some of them. Now they're going to have to go get some of those because that's what will really boost their resume. And we'll see. It's them against the world. And, you know, Jerome Tang is early on. He looks really good at that, right? He looks good at making that happen. So... It was a fun game, not so fun if you're a KU fan. I know KU fans are frustrated today, and I get it, because all of the things we've worried about with KU all year long, that was kind of it all in a nutshell last night. They were tired with a lack of depth and a quick turnaround from a Saturday to Monday. They got in foul trouble. I mean, it's literally what we were concerned with yesterday about their lack of depth. What if one player gets in foul trouble? How about three players got in foul trouble, which happens all the time in college basketball? Whether it's good calls, bad calls, who cares? Like, it happens. And they're going to have to figure out some way to rotate guys in and be able to maintain things for short stretches while they can get guys in and out of foul trouble. Right. That's just the reality of college basketball. That's what's good. I mean, it will happen to them in big games down the stretch. So, how do you navigate it? If things go perfectly. And you know you can play your starters all but 5 or 6 minutes in a game. Yeah, they're going to they're probably going to win every game they play, but that's so unrealistic a possibility that you've got to figure it out. And now they get a long time before their next game, and they'll probably look incredible on Saturday and then they'll have to turn around and go to Lubbock on a short on a short window on a Saturday to Monday. Right. And that ain't going to be any easier than going to Manhattan. I can tell you that right now. Right. And Texas Tech may be better than Mm K-State. So they'll get another opportunity to work through it this week. We'll see what happens. This would be, I would imagine, if you asked Bill Self, one of the more critical weeks of practice uh, of this season to get that extra time to be able to do it. But we'll see. I'm going
0: to make a statement. You can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Here it goes. Parker Braun and Nicholas uh, Timberlake, Those two players may be the keys to the University of Kansas. Not Timberlake. No. You don't think Brown, yes. No.
1: I agree on on Brown. I think Brown is... What about Jackson, maybe?
0: What about maybe Jackson? Well,
1: so the two freshmen, and McDowell didn't even play last night. Elmarco Jackson came in and tantalized. He had just a really terrible shot right when he checks into the game early. Mm -hmm. And then he bounced back and had a nice explosive play, but you can't have the terrible... Because it led right to a K-State bucket. So... Brown, I contended, and I still believe this is is going to probably be the most critical because he will allow relief for Dickinson, for Adams, and potentially even McCuller. Heck, maybe even Furphy. I think you can run him out yeah. there. But, is you know, Timberlake, he's not shooting. He's not – if Timberlake's in the game at this point, and this isn't a knock on Timberlake. I mean, it is, but it's not – that's not what I'm intending. If he's in the game, you're kind of in trouble. Like, you're in a trouble spot, right? Something bad has happened if he finds his way in. I think Brown is the guy that Bill Bill Self clearly trusts the most. And one of the two freshmen are probably, to me, far more critical than Timberlake because they could, at their upside, bring something to the floor. Timberlake, I mean, he's an experienced player, but he ain't shooting. Like, he's just not shooting the ball well. It hasn't all year, so... I don't know what value he has when he's in there. Something has gone wrong. So I, I, you know, that's Brown's in there. Brown's the guy right now that, you know, and he gave him 10 minutes last night. They just have to have, they can't lose so much when they have to make a substitution as they do. It's, it's as glar and, and it's always a tight rotation for Bill Self. This is as glaring as we've seen. I think. I mean, it's it's pretty tight.
0: Yeah, I don't remember anything quite like this. And maybe El Marco Jackson is another one. Here's here was the point of my my thoughts, and I think I think you and I are in agreement with this. And that is that obviously the starting five for the University of Kansas is pretty good, but I mean they can't go an entire game. It's almost impossible. You know, maybe you get a you know one of those rare you know point guards who can be on the floor a whole lot. And he just one of those, you know, you wind them up and they go, 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 go. But this is a University of Kansas team that's got to find somebody that's going to come off the bench and play quality minutes, uh, help with quality yeah. stops, get some points. You've got to contribute to the overall point total, which right now the bench is not doing. Uh, so I guess my question still stands. And, I, and at this point, I think you're going to, to agree with me. That the University of Kansas goes as far as the bench goes. Now, I mean, that sounds crazy. When you got got when you got guys like Dickinson and Adams and and, and, McCuller, and I mean, come on now. I, and I'm talking about the bench. But I think if you watch that game, any quantity of time watching that game last night, you understand what fatigue is because I think we all saw it. And teams are going to run the University of Kansas up and down the court, and, and and they're going to attack the basket. They're going to do things because tired players have problems moving their feet. We all understand the philosophy of that. And so when you do that, then then the basket opens up, uh, the paint opens up. Uh, you know, movement, ball movement will wear somebody down. All I'm saying is, is that we're bringing up guys like Brown and, and Jackson and, and Timberlake guys that we shouldn't be talking about, and yet they've got to fulfill a role. There's a role for those guys. They've got to fulfill those roles, fulfill that, that scholarship contract, uh, the, the NIL that you're getting. Fulfill those those roles with, with performing at a level that can take a load off of the starters, off of the quality starters at the University of Kansas. And I'll tell you what, the success of this team may come down to just those three guys, Brown, Jackson, and Timberlake. I mean, I, that sounds incredible. But watching last night's game, that was a tired University of Kansas basketball team, Jacob.
1: It, it for sure was, and and look, I, it's um, you, you have to just understand, like when we say Kansas has a tight bench, and I just put – So the year they lost to Villanova in the national championship, I I go back to like the Duke game, the, you know, the historic Duke game in Omaha, right? Silvio De Sosa came off the bench and gave him 26 minutes. So that was, it was six guys and Marcus Garrett played just a tiny bit, but it was that six guy playing a lot of meaningful minutes. Go back to the national championship over UConn. Remy Martin played 21 minutes in that game. Like that's what they don't have. They don't have that, that rotational player in there giving them meaningful minutes and I mean a lot of minutes right like they don't have that in there right now and that's what's really really hurting them their best teams yeah Bill Self always runs tight rotations I get it okay I I totally get it but you know you go okay go back to the team that you know the COVID year that probably would have won a national championship that was just so dang good right Christian Brown, David McCormick, were giving that team meaningful minutes. That was as deep a team as they've ever had. They just haven't they, – they have to have one of these players be able to come in and give them 15, 20 minutes a game, or it's not going to happen for this team. There are too many variables that can just – got to have at least six. The great Bill Self teams always have. It's always been tight, but he's had that bench player. They just don't have that. Is Brown enough? Boy, I don't think, you know, like, he's the one I trust the most. But it's going to have to be one of those two freshmen. I mean, it is. It's a big month for those two freshmen. Who's going to step it up for Kansas? And K-State, they keep the hope alive. That was a big, big win for the Wildcats uh, last night. All right, when we come back, let's crack the can on this Bobby Witt Jr. story, shall we, Paul? Holy moly, Royals. What an offseason the Royals have had. We'll dig into it next on Sports Daily Wildcat fans, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. The latest news on Wildcat men's and women's basketball all season long. Follow PowerCat podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Tommy Castro will be back with us in hour number two. We've got Paul Savage in today. I'm Jacob Albrock. Jad Chambers, man in that KFH hotline. Uh, Paul, the Royals are doing exactly what we thought they needed to do if they're going to sell they they will just I'll say this they bought some yes votes to that stadium proposal that's getting voted on soon up there signing Bobby Witt Jr to the most important deal um you know I, I don't think it's overstating it I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is the most important deal the team has ever done because of the timing with the new stadium and all of these things, let alone the, the young transcendent talent, right? Like the talent itself warrants a deal like this. The Royals just don't come across this type of player all that often. This type of player doesn't always want to stay in Kansas city all that often. And you're trying to build a ballpark and do these things that they're trying to do. You have to have a face of this thing, It makes sense, and it's important that they got the deal done and they get the deal done. And it's 11 years up to 14 years for the 23-year-old that essentially, at least for the vast majority of his career, puts Bobby Witt Jr. in Kansas City. Uh, Second largest deal ever for a player that's still four years away from free agency. And, you know... I think if you historically look at those deals, the jury's still out on Fernando Tatis because he's kind of been a bonehead a little That's bit right. lately, no question. but Buster Posey, it goes right in above Buster Posey. You think the giants regret that deal? No chance. Mike Trout, you think the angels regret that deal? No hey, chance. No Jordan way. Alvarez. It's early in his, but after what we've seen from him, do you think the Astros regret that deal? No chance. So, It's it's a you know, there's a precedent for this for Bobby Witt Jr. And for franchises to do it and the Royals go and get it done and kudos to them for doing it. It was the right thing to do. It is mission critical to what they're trying to do big picture. And, you know, for Royals fans, the who are the big winner here, like it just means Bobby Witt Jr. wants to stay in Kansas City and be a royal through all the losing that they've done. That's a big deal, too. That He's committed because he could just as easy sit back and be like, "Nah, man, let's ride this thing out. I'll make a ton of money in arbitration and then I can go pick my spot. I I love that as much as anything in this deal is that he's, you know, that alpha Paul that he wants to be the face of this thing. I think that's awesome. I think it adds to the lure of him and and it it again. It's the most important contract the Royals have ever done as a franchise.
0: You know, my first thought when I heard about this signing, and, and Bobby Witt Jr. is that special baseball player uh, that Kansas City's got to have. But my first thought was, how important was that World Series championship that the Royals won just not that long ago? How important was that to Bobby Witt? And I'm glad to tell you, I think it was probably a huge reason why he says, okay, I'll go ahead and commit to the Kansas City Royals. Probably he loves Kansas City, or it's he wouldn't, or he wouldn't stay. But he probably understands that this is a team that will do some things that it takes to win a World Series. They've done it in the past few years; they can do it again. And I think that was huge on that. By the way, Jacob, you know you, you you're talking about that extension on the end; those last three years to make it a 14 year contract that makes it 377 million. All right, is this the Royals we're talking about? I'm serious. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking. Is this the Kansas City Royals that I've known and loved for many, many years? I, I I couldn't believe they did this, but this is a big time deal. This is this is one of those things that says we're going to step up. We're going to play with the big boys. We've got to have Bobby Witt Jr. We've got to have him. If you want to have a run, if you want to have a fan base that says yes, at least the Royals are trying. You got to have Bobby Witt. You can't let him go. You got him locked in. I think you're probably right. That was a huge step towards a contract or a new stadium. Uh, a lot of things are lighting up, but I'll tell you what it says about the Royals is that there's a commitment to win, to get players, to keep players, to do what it takes to become more successful, uh, not, not putting down the World Series championship that, that was won a few years back. But I'll tell you what, you got to give the Royals credit. They're playing in the game. They're playing in the game. And, you know, 30 home runs... You know, 30, 30, 30 stolen bases last year? Come on now. Where, where do you go get those guys? You don't go get them that off the trees, of you know.
1: That plays shortstop. That and plays shortstop. Look, I, it's when you have failed so miserably in player development over the years and they have, like, no prospects in any prospect rankings right now and you've, and you've got to look at that. It's been a it's been a mess for a while, right? And there's only one way that you can solve that and that's to spend, right? You, they just don't have the ammo coming up the pipeline to help this team be better. Now they've they've got a lot of call ups that are gonna help them, but it's not just the Bobby Witt Jr. That was the most important one they could get done. There's no doubt about that. But look at the other additions for this offseason, right? Adam Frazier, Hunter Renfro, probably you know, handy players that fits more of the mold we've seen from the Royals over the years, right? Affordable position players that maybe you can flip around at the trade deadline. But it's before that, when they went out and they signed Waka and Stratton and Lugo and Will Smith, um, you know, I, they they went and signed four big-time I, I shouldn't call him big time. Michael Walker, I think, was a big time free agent signing.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. <laughs> You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Seth Lugo was a big-time free agent signing. And then you go just add pieces to a bullpen. They're showing us that they think they can win sooner than, you know, they'd be predicted to. And you can go get two guys to plug into a rotation, two guys to plug into a bullpen. You lock up Bobby Witt Jr. You've added... Now you look at, you know, the additions of Adam Frazier and Hunter Renfro and you're like, okay, you know, those guys could definitely be better than some of the young guys if things don't go well. It's beginning to come together. And in the division that they play in, as we sit here on February sixth, you just need to think you have a chance. And I think this team has a chance based on the additions they've made in the offseason. I so it's it's the bigger overall commitment. The Royals of years past would never go sign, you know, Lugo and Waka in the off season, who are high upside, but pretty expensive free agents, all things considered for the Royals. That's a commitment. That's a commitment you're making to try to win now because, it, you know, the other side of that, if you're not doing that, what are you telling fans who you're trying to, you know, convince they need to help pay for a new stadium? Well, we're just going to we're going to have all these great young players. You're going to waste Bobby Witt Jr. is what you're going to do because the farm system's not there at all. Like it has to be completely rebuilt. That's going to be that's going to take years to do that. You can't just wait another 6 years of, you know, 90 to 100 losses every year. You got to go attack it now and that's what they'll do. They won't waste Bobby Witt Jr. if they stay aggressive in free agency, who knows what will happen with this team. And at the same time, they still have to fix the other issues that have plagued them. But just what a what a turnaround that honestly would have been hard to imagine six months ago, this team making and in the eyes of perception and all these things. But how could you not be excited if you're a Royals fan right now?
0: Well, it caught me off guard. You know, the thing that caught me off guard was probably the same thing that caught you off guard. Two hundred eighty-eight, almost two hundred eighty-nine million. Well, that's what it was going to take. That, I mean, that's what it, it was going to take. But I, did you did, did did you honestly think they would do it? Because I I didn't I didn't think they would. I really didn't think they would do it. Um, I'm not sure. I, I knew thought they it.
1: needed to do it well, if they wanted to they convince to these. If they, well, no, no, no. I just mean for the stadium. Oh,
0: I, you oh, know, okay. I thought
1: the chances. I thought the chances were higher than normal, um, because of the need to get that stadium deal done, and. This will help them do that. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, you you've got to be able to put a face on that thing. Salvador Perez probably isn't going to be around to see it come to fruition. No,
0: probably not.
1: And so you don't really have anybody else. Like it's got to be Bobby Witt Jr. So there was a necessity associated to it, but not like when you combine it with the other additions they've made in the off season. I mean, I don't know what the total dollar commitment this this season's going to be, but it's going to be around 50 million dollars that they've added to the payroll. I would imagine I'll have to fact check myself on that, but it's a lot of dollars they're adding to this payroll right now to try to win next year, which is the right thing to do because the division's winnable now. It may not be winnable forever right now is, you know, the time to do it and they've done it and I, you know, we've we've. We've blasted them a lot for not doing it. They've done it, and they deserve credit for doing it. I hope it works. It may not work, but that doesn't mean you don't try. And they're trying, and they've been—you know, I haven't been fiscally irresponsible, I don't think, Paul. Every deal they've done has made sense to me. They're short deals. If they don't work, okay, so be it. But, you know, they're, they're trying to commit to winning right now, and that will be critical— if they want full momentum coming into a new stadium right I mean how bad would it be to build a new stadium and have a team that goes into it loses 100 games a year and you can't I mean they're one of the worst drawing teams in baseball because they've been so bad you want to do that at a brand new shiny ballpark
0: no like you have to fill that thing up well the good news is they're not the Oakland you know the Oakland A's when it comes to attendance that's the good thing but that's not saying much but I I get what you're saying I do get what you're saying. And the reason I get what you're saying is because this is so unlike the Royals. And this is this is but this is what it's going to take to be be competitive. But we're not used to it. We're not used to seeing the Royals spend this kind of money. And I think to the average fan, they go, you know something? We haven't had a player like Bobby Witt Jr. The potential that this young man let's remember, he's only twenty three. He's got a lot of good years of baseball left in him. There's no question about that. Here's a twenty three year old kid. You've made the commitment for him to be a Royal, and more than likely it's enough that it's going to make him be a Royal for the rest of his life. And you're sitting as a as a Royal fan saying, you know something? Maybe it's about time that this team did, does what it takes to, to be be really good on a year-in and year-out year, year out basis. Will you be able to compete with the Cardinals or with the Cubs, uh, teams that are regionally in your area when it comes to, to expenses uh, for players? No. No, we're not saying that that you're going to start seeing the Royals slug it out with other teams in free agency. I don't think that's what we're saying. But boy, they made the right call on this one. Bobby Wood Jr. is now the face of the Kansas City Royals and will be for quite a while. Only
1: Miami and Oakland were worse in attendance in Major League Baseball go. last year right. than Kansas City.
0: Oakland was it. embarrassing too, by the way. It was embarrassing for Oakland.
1: Yeah, well, Kansas City wasn't that far ahead. Well, okay. Only those. That's that's what you can't, and that's what I mean. Like that's why these are such encouraging. I mean, it, it, it is. I, I am so happy for Royals fans today and yesterday. Like I just am because. It sucks to to have no hope in baseball. I, I would contend no hope in baseball may be the worst sports fate because of the fact that they play every day and it's all that there is in the summertime, really. They're doing everything they can to change that, and they deserve credit for it. Now, let's see if they're the right moves, right? That matters too, but at least you've got hope again if well, you're the
0: Royals. I do. Bobby Witt Jr. is the one guy that would give me hope. Well he, got, well he I mean, was there last I, I year. he was there last year. I know, but I mean I mean <laughs> But, I, 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 but I, the additions gives, along
1: with him are an overall commitment. You'll have a hard time convincing me, Paul, that the Royals don't have a chance right. in that division. Yeah, next but
0: you year. didn't think that Bobby Witt Jr. would be there for the next eleven years, did you? I don't think you did, did you? Because I did. Yeah, yeah, I know I did. I oh, oh, okay.
1: I thought that the Royals were gonna make a make a okay. run at him. If okay. they were if they were serious about okay. building a downtown ballpark you. and doing that, they they had to do it. I, I was one of I thought they should have done it last year, and you know, at a time when people were saying they should trade him, I said the opposite. No, they should not. They should lock him up to one of these deals, and they did it. I just, I'm, I'm very happy for Royals there fans you go. today. Good. All right, we'll come back. Lots of other stories to get to. Uh, I want to get Paul's, just sort of bird's eye take on the Super Bowl. We'll have Dan Israel coming up top of next hour. The Chiefs, uh, ex- uh, Chiefs Radio Network Executive Producer, live from Las Vegas. So. We'll get you ready for that interview with a quick segment to get Paul's initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. That's coming next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody, Sports Daily. Uh, Mr. Savage, we have not talked about the Super Bowl with you. What do you think? It's a tough one. This is going to be uh, in – I've got a situation. The line hasn't moved. My my head leans 49ers. My gut leans Chiefs. I'll go with my gut, as I have been. But this this should be an awesome Super Bowl, I think.
0: Right. Right and and this is going to be an interesting uh, Super Bowl based upon the fact that you have that Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and you have a quarterback who basically was mister irrelevant. I mean, I'll tell you what. Now my my question would be to 49ers fans, which my son is one by the way, and he's probably listening to us this morning. How and, on and
1: earth he, could you let that happen?
0: It was a deal. I'll tell you what, it's one of the it's one of the moments of shame of my parenthood.
1: You ought to be ashamed I, I of yourself. I don't know
0: how this happened. I've offered him therapy. I, you know, we'll, 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 we'll put him in, you know, in, in therapy if, if he needed it. He won't go. Uh, he he refuses. But it had to do back in the days with Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. You, 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 you don't remember. Well, you probably remember what a big deal they were back in the day. Joe Montana just, you know, it was everything to football at one point. Jerry Rice, the same thing. And, and he became a 49ers fan because of the glory and because of the personalities on that football team. And there were some interesting and, and good personalities on the 49ers. That's how it happened. It's a low point of my parenthood, but it's something I have to live with on a daily basis. Uh, but anyway. The As point- a self-proclaimed, you know,
1: almost Cowboys fan, I just can't believe you'd let that happen.
0: I, I, swear, to, I swear it snuck up on me. It, it, I didn't know it. I didn't know it was that deep at the time. I, I just thought it was a childhood deal, you know. You know, my he'll goodness. grow out of it, but he, he never did. But anyway, it's and by the way, the Cowboys are are my team because of my relationship with the state of Texas. You know, you can't live in in the state of Texas, you know, basically a hundred miles from Dallas, and not be a Cowboys fan after living there for three years. So that in
1: my case, three hundred miles from Dallas, uh, where I grew up in Texas. But right. yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, and but so, wait, what are
0: you where are you at on this game? Well, like, here's, is this here's where I'm at. I don't have a take on this game as to who's going to win or lose cuz I think it could literally come down to whoever has the ball at, uh, on the last possession. Seriously, that's where I think this game is. And and to try to pick uh you know Brock Brock Purdy is the interesting thing about this particular game cuz here's here's a kid who doesn't have much much experience, who's who's young, who is mister irrelevant. Uh you know the 49ers don't think he's too irrelevant right now, do they, being their number one quarterback and a, and a guy that this team believes in. And the weapons that he has, the receiving core that he has, the ability to run the football uh, that San Francisco has. Listen, the ability to run the football by the 49ers might be the difference in this football game, I'm, and I mean that. It could easily be the difference, uh, you know, McCafferty and – and, and, oh, who's the guy that backs him up? But, anyway, the, you, you get my point. The The ability of the 49ers to run the football could easily be the difference in this football game. And I don't know. Well, it, that, it will be. It, it will it, be. It will. I mean, it's the yeah, most it glaring.
1: It's the most glaring thing. You know, the, the Ravens, it was criminal that they did not run the ball. Uh, a team that can run the ball. The Chiefs don't have a good run defense. They haven't all year. That's just the reality of the situation. The 49ers will not make that mistake. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey or McCafferty as you mentioned but Christian McCaffrey will he will get touches in this game the chiefs have to find a way to stop him because i don't know that there's any scenario that plays out in this game where san francisco does not utilize McCaffrey in their game plan oh, i don't care God. if the chiefs no, are up, right. i don't care if the chiefs are up 21 to nothing the 49ers are not going to abandon getting their best player the football They're just not gonna do it. Yeah. So that's, you know, priority one for the Chiefs is to limit what he does to you. Right. And go from there. Gotcha. We'll bring in Dan Israel, see what he thinks from Las Vegas when we return. Executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network joins Sports Daily right after this.